Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. everybody and welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast as we begin what promises to be a very interesting and critical offseason for the New York Islanders. We're going to break it all down for you over the next few weeks and months and talk about what's going to happen this offseason and where the Islanders go from here. A great playoff run. Today we will Take a look back at some of the reasons that the Islanders were so successful during the postseason and start our look at individual players and what, you know, they did well or poorly over the course of the season and the playoffs. We'll also have our Islanders birthday of the day and we'll generally get into our off-season evaluation and preview. So lots to come, even though the Islanders are eliminated right now. Uh, And, of course, we'll also keep an eye on the Stanley Cup final uh, between Dallas and Tampa Bay. If you've got an Islanders question, comment, a topic you'd like us to discuss, please feel free to send us an email. The email address, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. You could also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles. And you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at Ice Wars, NYR, VSNYI. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news and happenings. So, look, the Islanders advancing to the Stanley Cup uh, conference final, actually, for the first time since 1993. That is the first time in 27 years. And I'll tell you, it was one heck of a playoff run. And let's give a lot of credit where credit is due because this really was a team effort. And let's start at the top with uh, management and coaching. Uh, Certainly Lou Lamorello, who was named the Islanders, uh, you know, who was named the NHL's general manager of the year, deserving of that award and You look at the two trade deadline deals that he made this year, both of them paying off handsomely in the playoffs. Jean-Gabriel Pajot, uh, you know, eight goals and 11 points in 22 games, a plus 10 over the course of the postseason and really did a, a solid job all around. And then the veteran steady leadership, uh, added by Andy Green, Two goals, but both of them were important. Four points and uh, a plus two in uh, 21 playoff games. So lots of credit there uh, to to Lamorello. And of course, Barry Trotz, who 
if you've been listening to the show, really knows how to press the right buttons. Never lets this team get too high. Never lets this team get too low. They got blown out 8-2 to two in Game 1 against the Lightning. Come back in Game 2 and give the team all they can handle. End up winning Game 3 and fighting hard uh, through the six-game series. Also, if you think about it, uh, to me, one of the more impressive aspects of his coaching, in addition to putting the right players into the lineup at the right time, how about this? You're up 3-1 to one to Philadelphia, lose games 5 and 6 in overtime, have to play what is considered a road game in Game 7 with the Flyers having the last change, and yet the Islanders still manage to emerge victorious and overcome that momentum that the Flyers clearly had by winning the last two overtime games, it would have been easy for any team to be downtrodden and back on their heels and worried and not playing their best. And yet the Islanders played outstanding hockey in game seven, win by shutout, win with a dominant performance. And, you know, I think that is a big credit to Barry Trotz and the coaching staff. This team knows what they have to do to win hockey games, and they more often than not try to do exactly that. So you're wondering who was the Islanders' leading scorer in the playoffs. In points, the answer, believe it or not, Josh Bailey. And Bailey finished with 20 points in 22 games, only two goals, but 18 assists, and I'll tell you, uh, Bales was just, without a doubt, heads up, smart, uh, made some great passes, some great setups. He is just a heads up, smart hockey player, and he made a big difference in all of the series that he played in, a plus eight over the course of the playoffs, six points on the power play, one shorthanded goal, one game-winning goal, and averaged 19-plus minutes of ice time a game. That B&B line, the Bailey, uh, Bailey and Nelson line, really making a big, big difference. It's Bailey, Nelson, and Bavillier, all three of them playing outstanding. Uh, Nelson tying for the team leading goals with nine. Bavillier also had nine goals. If you look at it, that was probably the Islanders' most consistent line throughout the playoffs. Other reasons that the team played well, look, let's not kid ourselves, having the duo of Pelic and Pulak back uh, as your number one defenseman had a lot to do with it being healthy. The Islanders' record during the regular season when both of those defensemen were available significantly better than when they were not both available. So that made, I think, a big difference. The fourth line, as always, playing heads-up hockey, and you saw how much the Islanders missed Casey Sezikis. Matt Martin, five goals in 22 games after scoring five goals throughout the regular season. Matty Martz lifted his game as well, and, and boy, uh, Clutterbuck, you know, Cal Clutterbuck, only four points in 21 games, but a plus five, plus minus, killing penalties, 
being physical, getting that job done. Uh, can't say enough about what he was able to accomplish. Andy Green, we mentioned, coming up big. And and I think, you know, players like Devon Tays, who quietly had 10 points in 22 games and was a plus three. Nick Letty, uh, seven points in 22 games, but a plus seven. Just so many, it was really a complete team effort. And I think that had a lot to do with it. The other thing, obviously, that you have to mention is goaltending. And both Simeon Varlamov and obviously he had a lesser role, but Tomas Grice came up big whenever he was called upon uh, most of the time, maybe one exception. So kudos to him. But uh, Varlamov really outstanding throughout the playoffs. Only the one bad, really truly bad game and that was the first game against Tampa, which he did not even start. So really, if you look back at why the Islanders were successful, you start with a total team effort. We'll talk a little bit more about the success of the Islanders in this playoff year, and then we'll start our look at the offseason. So a lot more to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. So another reason that the Islanders looked uh, and were so successful in this playoff round, you got to look at the penalty kill, doing a very good job throughout the uh, playoffs of shutting down the opposition. And then that four check. I mean, realistically, the Islanders four check so effective. And when they played their best hockey, the opposition, look, you, you, you shut down or contained, I think is a better word, Alex Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom and and those talented Washington Capitals players. You really shut down most of the best Flyers players for the first four games of the series, and then they kind of came alive later on in the series, but Game 7, again, you shut them down. That forecheck, the ability to clog up the middle of the ice, neutralize, center zone, and not allow teams to have a lot of room to maneuver, the, the, the penalty kill, the goaltending, all of these major factors in the Islanders' success. And I think if you look at it, even the so-called role players uh, coming up big at different times, Derek Brassard, two goals, eight points in 18 playoff games, but, you know, some of those goals were very big goals, and he came up with some great plays at great times when he was put in the lineup. Uh, Ross Johnston played five games, was a plus one. He was a hit machine when he was out on the ice. Uh, you, you had contributions from guys. Johnny Boychuk only played in three playoff games, but when he came back into the lineup, first period, what, he had three or four block shots in the first period of his first game back against Tampa. That's the kind of thing where guys knew their roles, played them to the hilt, and that is really the basis for winning hockey from top to bottom. This team was well-disciplined. They generally did not make a lot of bad mistakes, and when they did make mistakes, more often than not, their goaltending bailed them out. Now look, at the end of the day, the Islanders lost to a Tampa Bay Lightning team that clearly was more talented than they were. Deeper, more physical, more size, and more 
scoring depth, and outstanding goaltending from Vasilevsky. Nothing to be ashamed of in going six games, giving the Lightning everything they could handle. And, you know, if you heard, again, Ryan McDonough talking after the series was over and really giving the Islanders a lot of credit, that was not just uh, a player trying to say nice things in the media. That was an honest analysis of what made the Islanders so good over the course of the playoffs, how hard they worked and how hard they made the lightning work in order to win those four games. So realistically, uh, this team maximized their talent over the course of the playoffs and made this run. This is the maximum that this team really is capable of right now. Could they have beaten the lightning? Yeah, it, it would have been possible, but you know, if they would have played 10 games, maybe the Islanders win four, maybe. So you got to make that four out of seven. It isn't easy. And this team still needs to work on uh, a number of things. And the most basic is getting a little bit more firepower in the top six scoring, getting a little bit more offense and working on that power play. To me, those are the two biggest things that the Islanders need to improve from this year to next year in order to take that important next step and get to the next level, which really is reaching the Stanley Cup final. All right, before we start our off-season preview, let's do our Islanders' birthday of the day. And today uh, is the 58th birthday of former Islanders defenseman Gord Deneen, Originally drafted by the Isles in the second round of the 1981 entry draft after playing for the Sioux Greyhounds of the Ontario Hockey League. Made his Islanders debut in 1982-83. Stayed with the Islanders through 1987-88 before playing with the Minnesota North Stars, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Ottawa Senators, and then a second brief tour of duty with the Islanders in 1994-95. For his career, 528 games, 16 goals, 106 points, add 40 more NHL playoff games, and you've got Gord Deneen, mostly known as a defensive defenseman. We're going to take a look at one of his better games as an Islander. We go back to October 10th. 1987 to the Pacific Coliseum in Vancouver, where the Islanders were taking on the Vancouver Canucks. Kelly Rudy, the goaltender for the Islanders against Richard Brodeur, King Richard, in the net for Vancouver. Islanders breaking out early. Garth Butcher in the penalty box for tripping. Brent Sutter gets his second of the year from Tomas Janssen and Dennis Potvan at 150. And then late in the period, Janssen, his first from Greg Gilbert at 1758, 2-0 Islanders after one. In the second period, Vancouver cuts the Islanders' lead in half when Ramo Suminen scores his first from Randy Boyd at 754. It was a 2-1 hockey game, but former Miracle on Ice Olympian Kenny Morrow gets a goal late in the second period, his first from Brian Trottier. And after 40 minutes, it was 3-1 to one in favor of the Islanders. Dave Lowry and Gord Deneen 
dropping the gloves in the second period, as did the Islanders' Bob Basson and Dan Woodley of the Vancouver Canucks. So a lot of rough stuff there in the second period as well. In the third period, the Canucks kept going into the penalty box, and the Islanders kept taking advantage. First, it was David Bruce off for holding. Gord Deneen makes them pay. Deneen, his first on the power play from Derek King and Brent Sutter at 7.52. Islanders now up 4-1. to one. Then Pat LaFontaine, his second of the year from Steve Conroy just a minute, seven seconds later. And the Islanders led 5-1. to one. Then two more power play goals. The first by Miko Makala with Dave Lowry in the box for holding. Makala's first from Trottier and Alan Kerr at 10.55. And then with Dave Richter in the box for cross-checking. Bob Basson gets his first from Randy Wood and Brad Dalgarno. Islanders skate away with a 7-1 victory. 21 saves for Kelly Rudy in this one. But for Gord Deneen, our Islanders' birthday of the day, a goal, seven penalty minutes, and he scores on his only shot. So once again, a very happy birthday, a very happy 58th birthday to former Islanders defenseman Gord Deneen. And uh, as we look back on that great game that he had uh, in his last full season with the Islanders. All right, we are going to talk a little bit about the offseason coming up, and we're going to talk a lot about that over the course of the next few weeks. So make sure you stay with us. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. And if you want to keep yourself healthy and in shape, well, you've got to try a Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. There are now 18 amazing flavors that include six new ones. How about these six new flavors? Cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, caramel brownie, and apple almond crisp. They've got flavors both with nuts and without but all 18 flavors are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're really great for the keto diet. How about the cookies and cream flavor? One of my favorites. 17 grams of protein in every bar, just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. Right now, for a limited time, we get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. And if you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your next order. That's the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. All right, so the offseason, let's start with this question because it's going to be a, a big one. And that is the Islanders' restricted free agents. And, you know, a lot of these offseason aspects are connected because of the salary cap and everything else. But they have three key restricted free agents that the Islanders need to re-sign, and they need to do it while staying under the salary cap, and the Islanders are pressed for cap space right now. Obviously, Matthew Barzal has to be priority one. He's your top-line center. He is one of the most talented and gifted young players in the game right now, and the Islanders are going to have to pay him, in my mind, somewhere in the neighborhood of seven, probably closer to eight million dollars a season on some kind of a con uh, contract, whether it's a long-term deal or a bridge deal, 
that is something that Lou Lamorello and Barzal's agents have to work out. You also have Ryan Pulak and Devon Taze. Now, both of them do have arbitration rights. And the Islanders right now already have about $72.6 million committed to their top 20 players. So they may look for the bridge deal at, let's say, $7 million a year with Barzi. That is a real possibility. And maybe you figure at the end of that two-year period, the cap hit, you know, the, the, the cap money goes up. The effects of COVID-19 are no longer a factor, and that gives the Islanders a little bit more uh, flexibility down the road. Pulak made about $2 million this year. Uh, Tay's only $700,000. You got to figure that these players should be making somewhere in the neighborhood of three and a half to $4 million a year in their new deals. So part of the question is going to become whether or not these players go for a long-term deal, which would lock them up, or a bridge deal where they may get paid a little bit less per year and help the Islanders out short-term, but in maybe one or two years, they can hit the market again and make more money, assuming that the market returns to something that resembles normalcy. And realistically... If the Islanders are going to be able to sign all three of these key players to new contracts, Lou Lamorello is going to have to figure out a way to move some salary. And that is going to be part of the challenge. Now, who the Islanders would want to move and who they might be able to move, remember the entire league is dealing with cap issues because of COVID. That is a, a big question. Andrew Ladd, obviously, who spent most of the season in Bridgeport on, you know, on basically sent down for cap reasons only. Uh, they would love to be able to trade him, but I don't know who might take his salary. That will be a definite question. Uh, the other aspect of it is you have the two veteran defensemen that came to the Islanders together. Uh, five, six years ago in Nick Letty and Johnny Boychuk. Boychuk probably has less of a role going forward, but Letty is the more attractive player to other teams. Uh, obviously, the Islanders would love to be able to keep both of them, but I don't know that that is necessarily likely. You probably have to trade or figure out a way to get one of them moved and you know, Boychuk is the more desirable player to move for the Islanders, probably, but Letty is probably the one who would attract more attention from other teams and who other teams might be willing to make a deal for under most circumstances. So it's going to be an interesting offseason. There are other players the Islanders might try to trade uh, to try to free up some cap room, but the question is, again, with all of the league having cap issues to one extent or another because of COVID and the fact that there weren't any fans in the playoffs this year and late in the season and may not be any fans in the stands to start next season or maybe reduced fans. It's all going to affect the cap and most teams are probably going to be conservative 
when they do the math and figure things out. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Remember, we are here every weekday, Monday through Friday, with more Islanders news, notes, and the latest goings-on. So we will keep you updated on everything New York Islanders. We'll continue our off-season discussions. We'll talk about the unrestricted free agents that the Islanders are facing. Will any of them be back? And a whole lot more still to come this week and beyond as we start our season recap and then look forward to the off-season. We'll do both of those things all in the next few weeks, including a player-by-player review of the 2019-2020 season. So we'll start that process tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Again, please subscribe to the show. Uh, Leave a five-star rating and a review on your podcatcher of choice. That helps other Islander fans find the show. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. And of course, let's go Islanders.